0: What a week it's been. So much to talk about, and so many things we can't talk about.
1: (laughs) Oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. how's it going everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. Gonna have a new crazy topic for you in uh, the course of wrestling history, of course, but we gotta start with, I guess we'll start with just talking about a little bit of stuff that's been going on. Um, I guess there's there's not a ton to talk about, but I guess we can get to a few, a few current topics, I guess. Have you been watching anything, Harris?
0: Uh, not unless you count the wwa4 show that we went to this
1: week (laughs) yeah that's as good a thing as any to start with um so me and harris we live in the atlanta area and um well there's there's this wrestling school there called wwa4 it's been there for years long time gone through many different uh variations but one of the things they do is every thursday they just kind of open up the gym and they do kind they do like a a, a show of sorts, or they just put on matches. Well, it's free for anyone to show up. Now, nobody shows up except for friends and family, and then me and Harris this week. Yeah. <laughs> now awesome. I, I went once all the way back, probably geez, six years, six, seven years ago at this point. Long time ago. And uh I went to one and it was it was awesome it was awesome. I mean I remember it was so much fun it's the, it was this tiny little building like 20 people there um, they had kind of a little stage, a little kind of curtain and a you know a little, a little place to walk down and then then a, then a ring in the middle of this small kind of building. but the cool thing was I saw a wrestler known as moose there who had been wrestling for about two or three months at the time. And, of course, me and my dad and another friend I went with, we have no idea who any of these people are. Nobody knows who these people are. But this guy was amazing, like, right off the bat. He's, a, you know, this giant human being. And he was doing, like, drop kicks. Like, he was drop kicking a guy in the face while he was sitting on the t- top turnbuckle. Like, he was doing all this crazy stuff. And we're like, man, this guy's awesome. And he already had the crowd. Now, there was only, like, 20-something people there. But he already had the crowd where his entrance still had that same type of song like same type of song that he uses now where the whole crowd's chanting moose moose with the little with a little like truck pull down hand motion and uh the place was it was bonkers and there's like 20 people going nuts for this guy already and we were talking to him after the show just kind of saying man you were really awesome and everything and we're like how long you been doing this he's like yeah like 3 months we're like what <laughs> 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 and of course we didn't think anything of it didn't get a picture with him or anything just just talking to him you know this is just a wrestling school and then sure enough he now is one of the bigger stars was a big ring of honor star and then um i believe he's still in impact i don't watch impact but last i knew he was he was impact world champion at one point like a year to so, year or so ago but uh so that was pretty cool so, I hadn't been in a long time, and I looked up the the thing, and, and then it just kind of came to me, I was like, I need to go to more indie shows, and there was a big one on Friday, a really big one, Southern Honor Wrestling in Canton, which isn't far, but I wasn't able to get there, but um, on Thursday, I was free, and I was like, yeah, we, let's, uh, and I just texted Harrison, I was like, hey, you do anything Thursday, there's this free wrestling show, and... Uh, well, Harris was up for it, and we went there. And Harris, do you? I described the other time I went to this place. Do you want to describe what we saw on Thursday? Because I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's about as unique of an experience you can get.
0: I, well, we didn't we didn't see moose. Moose is no longer there, as you pointed out. I here's the thing. I would be shocked if anybody that we saw really went on to have much of a career as, <laughs> like, Impact World Champion, for example, the way you just described Moose. I don't that, I don't care, though. That was super, super fun. I'm really glad we <laughs> did that. It's very much—it it feels— It's it, backyard it quite,
1: wrestling with an actual ring.
0: Yes, and there are, like, two or three people there who you can tell are actual— independent pro wrestlers who like travel around the state and work matches Potentially. and they're like the coaches because they're the most they're just sitting in the crowd but like they're clearly the most jacked people there
1: right well i mean <laughs> like a.r fox is huge with this school and he's a big indie yeah. star for many many yeah. years um yeah he was he didn't wrestle and then they said a thing like he was suspended so i don't know if he's hurt or what but he didn't <laughs> wrestle but he did like, get involved how- with some of the stuff
0: I'm going to I'm going to use a weird analogy here and I'm going to say it's kind of like the difference between going to see a Broadway show and going to see like a high school play. (laughs) And that sounds that sounds like I'm being really mean, like the quality was way less. But what I find is especially like we didn't know anybody here, but when you know the high school kids in the play, it's really fun because you can see the kids putting on the performance and that is just as entertaining as the performance, if that makes any sense. Yep. So it's fun to watch these guys who are clearly learning how to be pro wrestlers try to be pro wrestlers. I, I can't think of a better way to put that.
1: That's exactly so the show what starts it is. Off,
0: this is, yeah, and that's that's really fun to watch. If you're interested in pro wrestling at all, just like as a storytelling medium, like it, the the show opened right, and the MC, the play by play guy, goes are you ready to get sucked into the ash hole? And I was like, okay, what is this? This is the kind of weird stuff that I'm here for, right? It, it was a solid tone come... to start with. Yeah. And is what was the kid's – it was Ash. What was his last name? I, I don't Do you remember? remember. I know. I don't. I, ash Johnson or whatever. Hey, that, that's, clearly... more,
1: that's more of a name I remember than, like, anyone else. So I'll give – Yeah, give credit. I at least know
0: one of his names. And his whole bit like he comes out to the ring, he's clearly like sixteen years old. And his whole bit is just that he is going he's you know, he has a talk show, right? That's the ash hole, and it's like you, any one of a dozen wrestling talk shows you've ever seen. I don't you know? even
1: know if it's a talk
0: show. I think that's just what
1: I think this is what he says
0: when he's gonna have a match. I don't still know. It's pretty funny. Well, no, because the whole thing was he was out there. He was calling somebody out. He was interviewing them. But the whole point is that he's just as weird and uncomfortable as possible. As he looks. And it kind of – yes. And it matches perfectly with the way he looks, like he's just a kid who's been doing this for a few weeks and with his promo delivery style, which is partially just awkward because he doesn't do it a lot, but also awkward because that's the character. So it was just really fun watching him – try to figure this character out. And it was really interesting. Like it was really awkward and uncomfortable, but he used the fact that he was clearly very new to this, to his advantage in creating this character. And it was really, really funny. And then, you know, they opened the match and this was the other thing that I talked about. They opened the show with this fatal five way with all of the people who are clearly pretty green, but have learned a couple spots because that enables them to just go big spot in the ring, roll out, big spot in the ring, roll out, big spot, big spot, finish. And you, if you've watched wrestling at all, you kind of know that's how multi-man matches go, and that's kind of the fun of it. But I never really thought about this before, but that makes perfect sense for a wrestling school. Because like the hardest part of being a wrestler, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, isn't being able to hit all the moves, although that's hard and dangerous and all that kind of stuff. Like You do need to be trained for it. The real trick and the thing that makes the best pro wrestlers are the guys who can sell and tell a story in the ring when they aren't hitting move after move after move after move that's where the storytelling comes in and that's what like none of these people have yet but they can each hit a couple of moves so they just did all of that real quick to start the show yeah, just little much. things like that were a lot of were a lot of fun to watch i mean i i'm trying to remember what else happened like the other colorful gimmicks and stuff but just in general that's the stuff that kind of stuck out to me
1: yeah, no, I think that's that's a good way to put it. And there was a handful of other things. Again, there was a couple of guys who you think, all right, you, you look like you might be a wrestler. I mean, like their their champion who was still a small guy, but yeah. they're like, Okay, you know, he puts on 10, 15 pounds and mm-hmm. I could see it. Like he could he could actually wrestle. And uh then their their internet champion, which was a cool belt design, I don't know where that came from, but it looked awesome. Um, that dude looked legit too. You could tell that guy was clearly an amateur wrestler at some high level and had the body big dude, kind of like a, I don't know, like a Chad Gable body type, but maybe, maybe even, but bigger, like taller for sure. So I don't know, maybe like a Charlie Haas or Shelton Benjamin size, something like that. And Stocky stocky, uh, but you know, tall enough. And then had like the singlet and the wrestling shoes and everything, you know, jacked dude. He didn't really do a ton in the match. So again, clearly new, but, but like at least look wise, there was potential from him. And then that last guy, whoever the guy made that big return, that enormous dude, he was just so big. I was like, okay, he could probably do something. Yeah. The first big guy reminded me of a guy I had on my football team who was the biggest (laughs) guy on the team. And he was the uh-huh. worst player I've ever seen. And it was like, dude, why? Why do you have to be so terrible and unathletic? Like, why can't I have your size and actually use it? Being That's what that first big guy reminded me of. Very fun
0: combination. That's what that first no, guy reminded
1: me of. About. I was like, man, you're such a waste of size.
0: <laughs> the, I mean, but he's moved. Like, again, he wasn't the most mobile guy, but he looked so dang mean. That that he kind of made it work like he has his hair down over his face. He kind of <laughs> looks he's like a big redneck version. But his, his legs pain, were smaller like the big than mine. Machine. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Mark, because it's a backyard wrestling show. Like but they're the, not guy all... was, the guy was like six five. I know he was real stocky. But OK, <sighs> the other thing you, you touched on this, this is what kind of made me laugh. And I appreciated like the homegrown feel of the thing. Like you mentioned the guy that has their Internet Championship. Really, really cool belt design. Like it looks like he had it commissioned by one of those, you know, custom belt makers online that you can get like shelled out a couple hundred bucks for it. It looks really, really good. It looks like a real bonafide title. Uh, the world championship looks okay. I mean, it looks like a slightly cheaper replica of like the big gold belt or no, something Harris, like that but the
1: wait seriously no the belt was the wwe wwf attitude
0: era championship belt oh shoot that's right i knew it was something i forgot that it was the yeah yes but it's it, still, was like, it's it was like it was not it was the belt. one
1: post winged eagle
0: wwf right championship right right belt. you're right you're right but i knew yeah. it was based on something but like so you can tell you're like okay that looks like a title but it's like clearly one that you bought from a different promotion but that's fine but you know not as good as the internet championship and then there was one big old redneck dude (laughs) who is the tag team champions (laughs) so he's wearing two belts they're just spray painted red like the plates on them are spray painted red and the words tag team championship is like taped onto the plate it's amazing
1: i think I don't even know if it's that. Now, it's the WCW Championship belt, but right. it's like. It almost looks like it's just like a plastic covering that they built and like glued yeah. onto the front with like cutouts of the words tag team champions on yeah. it.
0: Like, it, which it is was like,
1: hilarious.
0: Yeah, which is exactly what you're going to do if you're going to spray paint your belt. It was great. I loved it. Like, I loved just weird little details like that. Because, like I said. I, it's really if you find just like pro wrestling as this form of theater really interesting which I know you know if you're a pro wrestling fan you're really aggro you're like no man it's really cool it's tough I I just I thought all those parallels to like a high school play were super fun because it's clearly just people trying to figure out some way to tell an interesting story they have a lot of creative input mm-hmm. uh, ash when he came out for his talk show he's this skinny kid he looks like like you saw him come out and you thought, well, I hope he did his homework because he's got to be back at high school tomorrow. Like clearly, clearly, clearly. And he's got a hat on that says, please clap. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) I want that hat so bad. And it was perfect. It was just such a weird little character note that tells you exactly who this kid is from the get go. And it was brilliant. I loved it. So I had a blast. It was really fun. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a clinic and it was just, it's funny going from an NWA taping, which is already, you know, feels very small time, but it's very intimate. And there's a lot of star power there and production value for what it is. And then you go all the way down to this, which is like a ring in an office park in West Georgia, somewhere surrounded by, you know, everyone's friends and family and their girlfriends. And like, after their matches are through, they leave out the back, change clothes, and come out and sit in the crowd and watch the rest of the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, right next to you. So, it was – dude, it was a blast. It was really, really fun.
1: Yeah, it was It, it was fun. It was fun. Um, so, yeah. So, we did that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, all right. So, uh, you didn't watch anything else, Harris?
0: No, I don't think
1: so. All right. Well, that's disappointing because you didn't watch NWA clearly. Um Yep. Scott Steiner made an appearance. I know we missed Scott Steiner. We so Okay, mad. so there's three shows of NWA in a row during their recording. They had the pay-per-view and then two taping days. We went to the We went to two of the three days. And the one we didn't go to was the one Scott Steiner came back on. It's like of course. Of course. Yeah. One yeah. of I was t- I was thinking about this earlier Harris. What we need to do Maybe for next week, we need to create a Mount Rushmore of uh, wrestling people for our show. Obviously, Mm. David Arquette's Mm. the first one on there, but but we need to make we need to fill out the other three. And I'll bet you Scott Steiner would be one of those. And so it was like, man, this is your. And so I, I, it's Mm. like, of course, we missed potentially one of our Mount Rushmores of the crazy wrestling world. And we, yeah. we didn't get to see him live, so that was disappointing. But I it was mean, nice if, to see anyway, and we'll see what he does next week. At least it wasn't David Arquette, because then we oh never gosh, no, we ourselves. would we would have, I don't know what we would have done.
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay, I don't now I think about that. Now I'm now I'm thinking about this Mount Rushmore thing. We need.
1: I think I'm we need. To think... It, let's just think about it, and then we, we'll okay. talk about that next week because we're gonna okay. Need sounds some time good. We'll come that. back
0: um, this has definitely happened a few times. We're like, this is our other patron saint yeah yeah We're I know I know like there's been
1: out. there's been a few so I think that's a good thing to, to talk about so tune in next week and you'll hear our uh, Mount Rushmore of crazy crazy uh I don't know wrestling personalities um uh but anyway it was another good show Thunder Rose had an awesome match against ODB like real physical mm-hmm. like beat down of a match that was a that was a lot of fun she's awesome um Ziggy dice is uh, is growing on me man. That's the stupidest looking guy in the world, and (laughs) every time I see him, I'm like, this guy goes for it so hard, it it, just—it's entertaining. The dude—that's a great quality—is entertaining, man. He tries so hard that it works. He looks so stupid, and it wouldn't work (laughs) if he didn't look this bad. He's this fat, but but still like in shape enough, but his stomach like hangs over his tights. And he has the worst tattoos of anyone in history, including a (laughs) portrait of someone on his stomach that I don't even know what it is. And I don't want to know. And terrible dyed, shaggy hair. It's just the worst looking dude ever. He like wiggles his hips. It's like the worst stuff all combined. And he does it so with so much enthusiasm. And, and, And he can go. And he's fun, man. He's fun to watch. This guy's going to yep. end up
0: being the TV champion. Just watch. <laughs> hey, that's exactly what you want, though, right? Because he moved
1: perfect. on. He beat Caleb Conley, and that dude is so dumb, but he he makes me <laughs> laugh. Um, uh, let's see what else happened. Uh, Ricky Starks and Nick Aldis had a match, and Ricky Starks was able to go the six minutes and five seconds, go to a time limit draw, because Nick Aldis was trying to prove that he could beat. Ricky starts in the TV time requirement because remember he backed out against Tim Storm, right? A couple weeks ago, um, and then uh they had the they had a tag match at the end. Eli Drake, James Storm, and Colt Cabana and Ken Anderson told a good story with that because you know Ken Anderson turned heel, um, a few weeks ago on Eli Drake, and Colt Cabana has been trying to defend him because he's one of his friends. Right. And so, you know, he tagged them with James Storm and Eli Drake. And of course, Ken Anderson gets D- gets him DQ'd by, you know, going overboard and Um, I don't remember what he did. What did he do? He uh <laughs> Okay, yeah, he, he he attacked a referee. That's what he did. Yeah, he attacked a referee and got disqualified. And now you have Cole Cabana pissed off at Ken Anderson for costing him the match, and you got a whole storyline going on there. So that I thought that was great um and then of course at the end they did the big reveal with uh with with Scott Steiner so uh, another good show I'm telling you man NWA is is great they they continue to hit on all cylinders um AEW I'm not going to talk about the whole show A couple of good things Cody and Dustin is an awesome tag team man they're so much fun to watch and their match with Lucha Bros was just great a lot of fun and then the other great tag match Jurassic Express first wins in the AEW in AEW, beating Best Friends and uh, Jungle Boy, <laughs> getting getting the pin for the win. That Heck was yeah. that was great. Or, it was a uh, Best Friends and Orange Cassidy versus Jurassic Express, and it's exactly what you would hope for for that match. It, it was it was perfect. It was perfect. Orange Cassidy awesome. gets his ridiculous spots, and. Uh, it it was it was very funny. I'm tell it makes me laugh when orange cassidy goes to the top rope and then just falls onto <laughs> onto the guy. Like he doesn't jump onto them. He literally just collapses. And what? you have Tony Schiavone. he's like, "Did he pass out or or what?" Like it, that was
0: that was You can't funny. tell. He's got the sunglasses on. That's yeah. the whole thing. I love Orange Cassidy, man. He's brilliant.
1: Yeah, I I didn't like him I know at the beginning. <laughs> well, what I didn't like is there were times when people were selling for it and that pissed me off but when he just does it as the thing and and what he's been doing it's it's it's
0: entertaining it's Okay it's so hang on that reminds me by the way one more thing I will say just talking about going to this wrestling school and understanding that like when you're learning to be a pro wrestler it's a lot easier to learn the offense than selling for offense they kicked out of so many things, Mark, like uh, everything. I know, I know there were I so know. many near falls and it was but it was great, though, because we all know my theory about how finishers work and signature moves in wrestling. And I was like, oh, yeah, they can't put anyone away because none of these guys have been training long enough to have a really good finisher." <laughs> <yet."> <laughs> so right. it makes perfect sense. They just right. couldn't hit anything that well. Like, yeah, that guy that that super kick sounded really good, but clearly he's just not ready because he can't right. put that guy away with it yet you know it all it all makes sense that's all I'm saying yeah, Speaking- Fair, enough. fair <laughs> enough uh they did a cool moment
1: at the end with uh, John moxley uh faking joining um, inner circle and then turning on him and beating Jericho up that was that was fun that was well done. yeah I heard about that um and then there was some not great things such as the women's title match which was yeah, so now, disappointing I-
0: I heard a lot about this, but break it down for me, because we've been, I mean, I think every, everybody on the internet has been critical of the women's division, which feels a little unfair. It's bad.
1: It's bad. Um, you, you don't care about anybody. They've done a really poor job making anyone care about anything. Um, there's no personality with most of the women wrestlers or they're just, I don't know what it is. There's just nothing there yet. Um, but One person who had kind of gotten a little bit of of hype has been Chris Statlander. So she wins the number one contenders match a few weeks ago and is set to wrestle Rio last week. But she had some scheduling conflict, so she couldn't be there. So they had to move it to this week. But they did a big job, a big deal promoting it. They've been pushing it a lot. Big championship match. Um, You know, it's the anniversary of the beginning of AEW and all that stuff. So it's this big thing. And the match is good. Like, both women are working working well. It's it's weird watching Rio because she's literally, like, 5 foot, like, 60 pounds. So mm-hmm. it is – it's just it, – and, again, like, Rey Mysterio is small. We've had small wrestlers, but when they're trying to, like, roll them up and hold them down for a pin, you're like, uh, no, maybe do something else because it just <laughs> – it looks terrible. And then Chris Stanley picks her up and, like, throws her across the thing, and it's like, yeah – I don't buy that your body weight would hold her down to pin her in that way. So, but anyway, <laughs> but, but I mean, she, she can go and it it is fun, but they have Brandi Rhodes come out to do commentary because of course she's part of the, <laughs> this heel faction oh, no. nightmare, nightmare collective. <laughs> it was the Harris. It was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life.
0: Oh, like no. th- this is the
1: best way I can describe it. Like, you know, you know, improv, right? You know, like, like improv shows. Yeah. Where, you know, they, they make everything up on the fly and they yeah. take suggestions from Monty, stuff like that. Well, there's like two, there's really like one rule of that and it's you can't say no right. to stuff because then it just
0: derails the whole thing. Right. The rule of thumb is yes and. That's what yeah. you always want to have in mind.
1: Now, yeah. imagine if that same type of thing applied to doing wrestling commentary and Brandy Rhodes was just out there saying no. That's the best way I can think of to describe... So is she just burying the talent, or what? Kind of. Like, I don't even know how to properly describe it. Like, there's a way to be a heel announcer, and there's not a way to be a heel announcer. Like, mm-hmm. JBL near the end is, like, the worst example, because he's just insulting everybody. and But not in a way that deters himself. So it just its it gets to the point where like nobody can say anything. It's just oh, okay and it was like that. She's just like attacking Excalibur. I mean like what do you wear the mask for? That's stupid. why are you, why are you doing that? Are you ugly? Wh- why? take it off like that type of stuff and you're like oh okay Wh- why like it was just everything wrong it doesn't get anyone over. it just derails the commentary and every and then you're just like, just stop. it was literally like, all right, few words and I'm muting this like you can't it was it was so bad. it was so <sighs> so that That's was bad really... enough. that was bad enough, but it got worse okay because they're still you know going through the match and then at the end, and then at one point uh uh what's her name Melanie Cruz I think is her name and Awesome Kong come out down to the ring while the match going on and of course they're like Brandy what what is going on why are they having-? and she's like I don't know what do you think I know they're free they have their own free will they do whatever they and you're just like oh okay and then of course they interfere And you know, throw you know, attack Rio, and then Statlander comes out, and you know, to basically go after them, and uh, Brandy then comes over, and then this random guy nobody knows comes out of the ring, and he's apparently some Japanese deathmatch legend named Luther, but no one knows who he. No one knows who he is. Uh Comes out. And Excalibur has to be like, oh, this is whoever. And the whole crowd's like, all right. And then it distracts, you know. So Kong then goes into the ring and, uh, you know, knocks over Statlander. And then uh, Rio takes out the others. And then the match just continues. And Rio ends up winning or uh, hitting uh, like like the match continues like that wasn't even the finish. Like then the match goes on and there's a couple of near mm-hmm. falls and then Rio ends up winning after Kong comes back in and like knocks the legs out of Chris Statlander. Rio ends up getting the win. And you're just like, what? I mean, I get like you're building up them, but right. not like this. This just makes nobody care about anything going
0: on. So, well, it's the kind of – it's like the kind of weekly schmoz fest that we get in WWE that's so annoying. Yeah. And I think people wanted AEW to feel more like New Japan in the sense of like, no, 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 these two are going to fight and there's going to be rules. It's very funny to me. I mean, and I, I haven't watched every episode oh, okay. anybody Sorry. who listens to I, the show.
1: I, yeah. I, I tweeted about what Brandy was saying because I couldn't remember. There was something else like specifically. She was also like – they they were saying – you know, she was like complaining about being out there. And then they're like...
0: Hey, are you there? Uh, Yeah, I lost you for a second. Okay.
1: Okay, well, the other thing was she was, like, complaining about being out there. And so they're like, you don't have to be here. And then she would keep complaining, like, I can't believe I have to be out here. Like, I don't want to be here. And then they're like, well, you don't have to be here. Like, it was stuff like that, where it was like, what, what is – anyway, I just forgot about that. That was – it's, like, stuff like that. So, it's, like, like, this just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so they ruined the title match. No one cares about anything. Mm-hmm. Now people care less than they – people were actually excited about that match for for the first time in a while yeah. about a women's match. And then they ruined it and made no excitement whatsoever. And it's just – I mean, I get why they did it. They're trying to build a story with this group, but nobody cares about the group. And that's if you wanted to do that, do it after the match or something like that, you know. You know, it's
0: it's very funny to me. I haven't watched every episode of AEW, obviously, as we on this show all know. But I, I feel like right out of the gate they were really paranoid about pushing themselves too much and being too much like WCW. So instead of like putting the belts on Cody or Kenny Omega, they put it on Jericho, and Cody is like kind of the side player, and Kenny Omega is kind of trying to figure. He's trying to find his way again, right? And they're assuming that, you know, he'll have this big run in the in the future. I don't the young bucks aren't the tag champions, right? Uh no. They yeah, they lost well, in like, the first round of the tournament. Right. Exactly. Like the show very intentionally did not become hey, it's us, your friends from the bullet club and now we hold all the championships. Like right. they didn't want to do that. They overcorrected, I think to their I to agree. Their I agree. the opposite direction. But then you I think they have, went too far like. with it. Well, number one, you say, but you know what we need in the women's division? Brandy Rhodes, and she's this like she's playing this face and this loyal wife and friend to Cody Rhodes and all of his stuff, right? But then she's the bad guy of this sort of creepy villainous faction over here doing another thing, right? Which is this weird disconnect for a company that you felt like was going to avoid doing weird disconnects like that and then they also this is not exclusive to the women's division but they have all these crazy interference filled matches yeah where the interference doesn't really matter yep i i just feel like this happens a lot like the obliviousness of the refs is somehow even worse in wcw than it is in wwe even considering this is pro wrestling and every ref is terrible at their job. <laughs> right. It's just it's very weird to me that they got one element of their storytelling so right. Yeah. And then just kind of botched the other one. That's super interesting to me and I'm curious to see how it how it works yeah, going forward.
1: Yeah. And I, and I'm glad you mentioned that cuz they they did. They went out of their way to not basically push their major stars. And right. which, I mean, I, I, I applaud in one way. They're trying to build more stars. I get that. And they've done a good job of that. But at the same time, but, this is one of the problems WWE has right now, which is which is a thing. It, it's a weird thing, but in a way, WWE is right with, with the pushing of people like Roman Reigns and stuff. It's just they, they did it totally wrong and with the wrong person. But they're... When wrestling is the biggest, there are a handful of major, major stars who are at the top of everything. WWE for years now has not had that, and they've had a bunch of really awesome wrestlers and performers, but not they they've actively tried more and more other than with Roman, which failed, they've tried to make it more about WWE than about mm-hmm. the individual stars. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work. And that's what AEW is trying to do. And it's not going to work um, as well. You need a handful of major stars. The only one is Jericho right now. That's the only one they have like that, that they've pushed that way. Mm-hmm. And they need to pick a few people. And you can rotate or whatever or build new people. But you need to have some major top guys. And and Cody's that way by default. But they've been actively trying to push him down, or he's been trying to hold himself down with it, which I think is a wrong move, because the biggest matches have all, you know, what have they been? It's been like Cody, Jericho for the title, stuff like that. Like, he's one of the only ones. And I, especially this week, I went back because of Wrestle Kingdom, it got me into it again, and I watched the four Okada Omega matches, which I think is probably the greatest match series of all time, with... I think the greatest match of all time culminating at Dominion of 2018 when Omega finally won the title. And I don't understand why Kenny Omega is not the guy. It makes absolutely no sense. Not only is he not the guy, he has been a complete non-factor in the entire AEW for the past year. I mean, he's had some great matches, but nothing's Mm -hmm. mattered with him. And I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. He should be the guy. He should be above Moxley, above Jericho, above Cody. He should be he should be the guy and I don't I don't understand why not only is he not the guy, he's not even on the same page right right now. I really don't get it.
0: I hear what you're saying and I think I think you're right, but I understand their thought process. I think like they wanted to avoid from the get-go like pushing themselves too much, booking Bullet Club to winning all the titles. Kenny Omega is the ultimate example of that because they said, okay, we we know Kenny Omega is a superstar. We know how good he is. We know that everyone who tunes into this show, who's seen us do anything before, likes him the most and thinks he's the best wrestler in the world. We're going to prove that we can book a wrestling show and create interesting characters and tell compelling stories without him.
1: And how so, does like, that make any? Did you just hear what you just said? No, I mean they want the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, we know we have this best wrestler who everyone likes and is the perfect guy who's the best ever. But you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna just try and make it all that much harder and just not use him.
0: I think that I I wonder how much of it is personal and they take it as a challenge to themselves, like that's Cody, just stup- say that's stupid. No, no, watch me.
1: Hmm? And no, that I don't is know. stupid. I mean, If you have the guy, why do you not use him
0: as the guy? You can still build other people. That that has nothing to do with it. What's not going to happen is we're going to look back in 10 years and say, wow, it's really weird that they never used Kenny Omega. The Kenny Omega push is coming. They just want to try to build up as many other people as they can first without having to lean too much on the same three or four people. I'm not saying. Look, I'm. I'm just saying. But I right now they're leaning, sure on, nobody. They're leaning right. on nobody. They're leaning on nobody. Still so why very would pick, early in the run. Like at some build, point it's why wouldn't to you? Why wouldn't
1: you build? Like keep you. You. Lead, you already have a few stars. Why not start off with them and then in the process build up the other ones? Right now they're just nothing. There's nothing going on with AEW well, the at other all. None. Zero.
0: They have Jericho's thing and that is it. There's the no other reason... things going on. The other reason that I think they're doing this is because they, again, because they know how good he is. They know how much people want to root for him, and there's way more money in the chase. There's a reason but that there's Adam no Eggman chase paid. going on. Yeah, because it's gonna happen. Just let me talk. There's a reason that Hangman Page didn't win the title right away. Right. It's because they don't want to shotgun the title onto somebody new. You're going to have Jericho hold it for six or eight or 12 months. Sure. And then have all the money be in somebody coming to dethrone this guy. So instead of Kenny Omega steps right in, he's immediately the best wrestler in the world. He's in the title picture after three months. Then after a year or two years, you're right where WWE is, where you've had the same people in the title picture for forever and everyone's sick of it. Instead, they're going to hold him off get everybody really annoyed like we are and then push him. The crowd will be hot behind him and you can have six months, eight months, a year of Kenny Omega trying to get his juju back, trying to get back to his status as the best wrestler in the world, culminating with him winning the title. You can stretch that out instead of dropping him in the main event scene right away and people get sick of him that much quicker. They would rather you be annoyed right now that he's not getting a title push then give him a title push and have you be annoyed after six months that he's still in the title picture. That's their thinking.
1: Yeah, and I get what you're saying, but it doesn't make any sense to not have anything going on and then wait for something else. And you don't have – just because you're you you know you're pushing or him or having him in the thing doesn't mean you're not building up other people to come along as well. It's not one or the other. They're choosing to do nothing right now instead of – it's not even like they're waiting for anything. They're just – I, I don't I don't get it. Like you have people there to build something. and then, in the process, while that's, you know, while you're doing that, you're also building up other people. Instead, they're just not really doing anything and just kind of sitting with this heel faction. I guess the only thing they're they're really doing anything with is Moxley, which is nice because that that that's that they're doing a good job with that. but mm-hmm. they're they're not doing anything else. and And the other thing, Not only that, there's not really any stories at all going on. It's just grab matches every week, which is Mm -hmm. fun and and good matches are coming out of it. But there's not really much storytelling going on. There's a few little things. They did the thing with the Lucha Lucha Bros, um, you know, taking out Christopher Daniels. So they did a little. They did some stuff with that, which was good. They're doing a little Mm -hmm. bit of a thing here with like Hangman and Omega, and then like they had a tag match. Against private parties, so they're doing a little bit of a thing there, which is potentially so. Like there, there's there's seeds with stuff for sure, but mm-hmm. as far as the title goes, it's just Jericho's champion. Nothing's really happening. He's just randomly challenging people, which is which is fun and that that's good. You know, you're getting Darby Allen in the title, you're getting Jungle Boy with a thing, but there's nothing. You know, I I don't know. I just feel like they could have done a better job with having some major stars are treating certain people like major stars because that's when wrestling is the best is when there's when there's major stars. It does better when there's a like four or five major stars than it does when everyone's just really really good wrestlers and everyone likes everyone but they're all kind of closer to the same level. Yeah, you kinda I need think... You kind of need a rotating thing of people who are given major star status and you don't have to stay with the same ones for years that that's a problem too Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: you need to have that upper tier of people at any given time and right now i feel like you have jericho and moxley and that's it right now cody i think is there again by default but they're like actively pushing him down but those are really all i think they're doing right now
0: well, I think there's something to be said for, and I'll, I'll agree with you on this. I understand why they're not giving him a main event push, and it doesn't bother me because I think we all know it's coming, and I'm curious to see him do the Rocky thing where like he loses his smile or whatever and has to fight his way back up. But I think theoretically, I mean, I think you're right about this. They don't really have a lot of focus yeah. in terms of all of their A-list stars. Like You wouldn't be as annoyed If they were treating him like, okay, the best case example, I think this is what they they meant to do and they just haven't really done it, is he becomes – if you're not going to put him in the main event just yet, then Kenny Omega becomes like John Cena with the United States title. Whether you have a secondary title or not, you don't need it. But the whole point is every week we would see John Cena come out on Monday Night Raw, and you know this guy is a big deal. This guy is Superman. This guy is the New York Yankees, and he's out here having a great match with Sami Zayn and that makes Sami Zayn look like a big deal. And that's what made that run so good As you see Cena, right, kind of in the mid card, which is weird. And you, you know, that's not where he's going to be permanently, but it gets other talent over and he interacts with them in meaningful ways. And I feel like that's not even happening. Like they had him in a feud with John Moxley. That makes sense. Okay. Right. The winner of that match is going to go on to the main event. That also makes sense. But now, what is Kenny Omega doing? Why isn't he feuding with anyone else? Why is he just sort of treading water? I feel like that's a lot of the show. Like they only have yeah. the focus to do one or two threads at once. Which again, and when they can't... they're still
1: new to this, so I, I mean, I give yeah. them a pass for that. All of this is taken with with that in mind. But um, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, I, you know, I think we'd all like to see it start getting better as the months go on. Mm-hmm. You know, as they get more comfortable. Yeah, it, for sure. But. Anyway, um, okay, and then I guess another thing real quick, so we've been talking too long about this, the NXT <laughs> UK TakeOver happened today, I watched part of it, seemed pretty good so far, I haven't gotten apparently the best <laughs> matches, best matches are the two uh, the two final ones, they had a uh, fatal four-way ladder match for the tag team titles, and apparently it was great, and then... Apparently the championship match with Walter and Joe Coffey was great as well. So I haven't watched either of those yet. But uh like Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin was fun. The, I mean Tyler Bate's just a freaking beast. That dude Dude, I love He's one of my top five to wrestlers
0: in WWE right now. I love him.
1: Yeah, I like him a lot. And then the women's title match was good too. Um Kay- Kaylee Ray, Tony Storm and Piper Nevin, that was fun. The only thing about it is I knew from Now, again, I don't watch NXT UK like, like most people, and so I have no idea what's going on, and I'm watching the opening package for that match, and I immediately mm-hmm. knew exactly what the, what was going to happen from start to finish, and what the finish was going to be, and who was going to win. Like, exactly. I knew the entire thing of how, because, you know, they're building up, Kaylee Ray's the new champion, Tony Storms, who lost the title, is super distraught, you know, is doesn't feel complete without the title. And then you have Piper Nevin kind of the up and coming challenger who's trying to make a name for herself who was friends with Tony storm, but now the title has come between them. So there's animosity there. And Kaylee Reyes, kind of the puppet master putting the other two against each other to give her a better shot in this match. You know, it mm-hmm. makes sense. And I was like, and so to me, that's just so obvious because you have Piper Nevin in her first kind of shot. So, you know, she's not going to win. You have Tony storm, Who they're building a story with her of, you know, her kind of starting to lose her edge because she doesn't have the title now. Maybe bringing her into a darker place than she wants to go. And then you have the champion who's just kind of the smug, you know, kind of chicken heel champion type, you know, who's just going to... The opportunist who's going to take advantage of stuff. So, you know, one of them is going to completely dismantle the other one, and then at the last second, the champion's going to sneak in and steal the win. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so it was just funny. It was a good match. And and it's one of those instances where even though it was super predictable just because I've watched so much wrestling, it was the mm-hmm. right move. Like, like this is one of those things where don't ruin the right thing just because it might be predictable, At least that's the way I felt because it's like, okay, I knew exactly what was going to happen, but I think that's the perfect thing to happen. Um, Like this isn't the time for either of them to get a title or to change the titles at this point. There's too many other stories going on that need to be developed. So um, I thought it was was good and they did a good thing. Those are the things I've watched so far. But anyway, definitely worth watching. I'm going to finish it up probably later tonight. So cool. Um. Anyway, after that, forever long time, it's time to uh. There. there uh, again, uh. What's up with David Arquette? I don't really have anything. Um. He's been hanging out with RJ City, and so that's been fun to watch on Instagram. Um. RJ City did a, um. Oh shoot, what does he call it? His uh, coffee and his un- making coffee in his underwear video with uh, Stone Cold. Yeah, he came I saw out that today, and it was perfect. It was like a minute long because Stone Cold was like, "This is stupid. Get out of my house." (laughs) Perfect. So that was that was exactly what you'd expect. But uh, yeah, so that's really it. So, all right, done with that. Now it's time for uh, Harris's topic here. With uh... all right, Harris. So, so tell us about the crazy world of wrestling. Bring us in. Bring us up to date with something that uh, we don't
0: know. Okay. Well, first of all, this week we had a class of new hires come in at work and you know you have to do that thing where you introduce yourself you tell them an interesting fact or whatever just something to help people kind of remember your name honestly and i chose to share with the class of interns and a couple of my peers that i have a pro wrestling podcast so if any of you made it this far (laughs) uh congratulations come see me at my desk and you'll get your prize but uh (laughs) it's a knife edge chop (laughs) it's just right pow right in the kisser <laughs> right in the office yeah that's right <laughs> come get some anyway i just want to preface that by saying you know welcome aboard i try to treat every episode of this podcast like it's somebody's first podcast because you know my conceit of this show in my mind is I-, I like you know trying to explain to my friends why i enjoy pro wrestling and just kind of break down the sillier elements of it and point out you know a lot of times in this show we find an angle that's absolutely ridiculous. But we enjoy it anyway, for this reason or that reason. That's what our, you know, our Mount Rushmore is going to be the people who exemplify that the most. I like It's absolutely insane, but it was fun, and we had fun getting there, right? Yeah, I
1: really hope that we have another Viagra bottle in this story. No. As
0: far as I'm aware, that's the only time that's ever happened. I could be wrong. I don't know. According to Mark Madden,
1: there's been tons of historic Viagra on a pole matches. I mean, like— Going back to Muhammad Ali and Antonio Noki, so I'm gonna have to find some of these. We'll 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 find these if
0: there are any. We'll find them. You better they were all that. dark matches, unfortunately. That is. So funny. this week, I don't know if it's gonna be that much fun, but listen, oh, no. we're doing it. Uh, it was inspired by current events because some of you may remember if you listen to our very lengthy current events segments. Yeah. That a few episodes ago, I came in here and I was very excited to tell you all about the Lana and Bobby Lashley. That was last fight, right? week. That was last week. And, you know, it was awful, but it was so insane and so over the top. And, like, they got interrupted three times. And it was just, it was, it was. A train wreck of a television program, but I did enjoy it, right? And that kind of got me thinking, got the wheels turning. And you think, okay, well, what other weddings can I celebrate? Oh, gosh, what they're... other weddings have happened in wrestling history that There's we There's a
1: lot. We've already done some of them, such as Tori yep. Wilson's father marrying uh, Dawn Marie. And so Don Marie, Tori's arch rival, becoming her stepmom. We did that yep. episode. That's the stepmother of her stepdaughter uh, episode, mm-hmm. so check that one out if you want some of that. Tori Wilson might be on our Hall of Fame next week. To be honest, mm-hmm. I
0: feel like you're voting for her for different reasons.
1: Viagra on and... a poll, Harris and her dad marrying her mm-hmm. opponent. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just okay, saying, well, that, that's anyway. a pretty good one-two
0: punch. Anyway, this wedding was not the results of some sort of weird mind games.
1: Oh, this was the result of two
0: people, you know, falling in love and wanting to express that commitment to one another. Oh no. Except <laughs> Mark is Mark is three steps ahead of me already. <sighs> oh, me, hand, I'm gonna pull my phone out real quick, Harris.
1: I'm gonna go to my, my little uh my list on here. I, I have a just list I've been keeping up for two, you know, two plus years of of uh podcast ideas. Mm-hmm. Let me just uh, cross this one off real
0: quick. Just go ahead and cross that one off. Yeah, so this is it. I'm glad infamous, I'm glad yep. that I didn't have to do it. So thank you, Harry. I got you, buddy. So unlike I think virtually every other wedding in wrestling history, which has been some combination of, hey, here's a male wrestler and here's, you know, either a female wrestler or more often if we're being honest, just their their manager, their valet, <laughs> you know, you think of your macho man, Miss Elizabeth. You think of like Test and Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. This is a this is a wedding of a tag team. This is a wedding of Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing Billy and Chuck. It's time. It's been long enough. We've been it's a, we, we've danced around it for
1: a while because uh what is this? 2002? Yep. Yeah, so and that that's another if we had 3 years that we've had the most topics from, it's like WCW 2000, WWE 2011, Mm -hmm. and probably WWE 2002 is the next, is the next one on that list. So there's been a lot of overlap with this one. So we've been avoiding it to this point, but it's, it's been too long.
0: So first of all, like sometimes we try to go week by week to track a story. I'm not really going to be able to do that here because Billy and Chuck were a tag team for a while for, for over a year initially. So that, Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo, let's start at the beginning. They were form- they formed a tag team in the same way most WWE tag teams are formed, which is just it's two mid-card guys. We don't really have anything going on. Which is, oh, you're
1: here, and you're here. We're paying both of you. Mm-hmm. You're doing nothing. All right. You're yep. a new tag team. Because exactly. Vince McMahon so, loves tag teams.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, if you don't have anything for them, at least they can be. A, you know, sometimes here's the thing: you can complain about that kind of piecemeal operation. Sometimes it evolves into something more. Sometimes it is, becomes
1: Cesaro and Sheamus, okay. and it works.
0: You know, sometimes so, sometimes it works. Sometimes it becomes Billy and Chuck. So, because here's yeah. the thing: here's the thing. They initially they they were trying to give them some sort of gimmick or shtick or character. Right. The initial plan was: hey, we've got these two guys. They're both super jacked, even for WWE in 2002. They're two really handsome guys. We're going to have them be like swinging playboys, like they're two male models who are super in love with their physique. And which is, you know, a classic wrestling trope. It's good for cheap heat. It's a good, fun, goofy heel tag team, you know, whatever. And they start to play it up for comedy. And that makes sense from, you know, a booking perspective. These guys are, you know, being arrogant douchebags. They get heat from the crowd. And then kind of naturally that evolves into sexual undertones because, you know, if you and your tag team partner look identical in your entire characters, well, I'm in love with myself and my big muscles, it's it, it, it very naturally progresses to, oh, I also like you and your big muscles. And, you know, it's it's not quite the attitude era. We're a little bit past that, but we're still early enough. I mean, this is 20 years ago where two guys just jokingly hinting at being so narcissistic that they're in love with one another.
1: Now, this is the other thing that doesn't make any sense with this. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Chuck Palumbo hadn't really done a ton at this point. He was kind of, you know, fairly new into the WWF. And... uh But Billy Gunn was already a major star with the New Age Outlaws and DX. Like in the in like the late '90s, and then even had another you know his whole Mister Ass character. After that, you know, also Mm kind of with that, like he was already had done several things, and so it's kind of it's just weird to see someone like that then in
0: this type of situation. Okay, that's one way to put it. The other way to think about it is this guy is clearly a great tag team wrestler. Well, that's that's true too. Does his best work playing off of other people sure that's the other way of looking at it because again just from a wrestling booking perspective this works and like they lean right into it like they can kind of tell what the implication is on accident at first and then the fans just really love to boo them so chuck dyes his hair blonde to match billy's hair and then he shaves it all off because he Bleached his hair and it looked really bad, so he had to cut it all off. But it's, you know, bleached and short now, <laughs> so they're matching even more. And then they get matching gear and they get matching headbands that say Billy and Chuck. And their wrestling style gets more and more like comically feminine. That's the only way you can really put it. Like they become more eccentric, it becomes more over the top, like dainty might even be the right word. Just really stereotypically gay. I can't think of any other way to put that, especially because. Keep in mind, this is 2002, so subtle is not really something we do anywhere in the world, much less in WWE, and the fans hate
1: it. Also, if you've been paying attention to the show and are a regular listener, go back uh, a couple of weeks to one of our Christmas episodes, and we had a mention of Billy and Chuck during the uh, <laughs> Raw's dueling Christmas parties, Christmas mm-hmm. of uh, 2001, when... Um, well, they gave each other uh, matching headbands. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's where they got them. Okay, so, yeah. That's... <laughs> so, again, I didn't have time. I'm glad you remember that because I didn't have time to track this week by week. Yeah, Harris finished this 30 minutes ago. While I didn't, we, he finished I did it,
1: it. He finished it while we were still talking about the current did event it. segment.
0: All yesterday. You
1: should be so proud. <laughs> wow, a whole day because, early? Like,
0: that's great. Yeah. So, you don't, like, this is where this angle becomes and i'm going to use this word multiple times uh this is kind of problematic because at this point you don't have like the initial conceit is hey these two guys are arrogant they're macho they're they're bodybuilders they're hotter than you and they want you to know it like very classy heel stuff right classic classic course. classic course. Stuff. course and now we've evolved and each step has occurred very naturally and i see how they thought oh well what if we do this won't this be fun except now like we have two very clearly gay heel wrestlers and they're not heels because they do traditional heel things like cheat to win. They're just, the crowd just hates them because they clearly love one another. And it's, it's pretty uncomfortable to watch like, but from a purely wrestling sense, it works like they have heat because they come out every week and they you know like they help each other stretch you know in really weird and intimate ways or they're gyrating or embracing each other after every match things like that and the crowd just hates it and it starts to get a lot of publicity and this this is by far the most infamous aspect of this entire angle because Vince McMahon in the midst of pushing this angle was contacted by Glad This is the organization, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Discrimination, saw this was happening and kind of understandably went, uh, you serious right now? And they contacted Vince McMahon and they expressed their concern. You know, this is this is inappropriate, that it's belittling, that it's condescending. And Vince McMahon said, you know what? You're right. And we should have a ceremony where we prove how serious we are about this. And we're going to have a commitment ceremony. They're going to come out of the closet officially and they're going to get married live on TV. (laughs) And glad bless their heart said, wow, that sounds great. (laughs) We have no reason to doubt that this will go exactly the way you just described and we're going to help you promote it. So they did. So One week on SmackDown, after a win, I presume, Chuck gets down on one knee and he asks Billy if he's going to be – if he would be his tag team partner for life. Mm -hmm. And Billy, you know, tears up and says, yes, of course. And Chuck puts a ring on Billy's finger (laughs) and they're engaged.
1: Wouldn't it be so much better if they had like a custom tag team title belt that he gave him instead?
0: you know it would but it's all about pushing the gay panic buttons cuz this is 2002 and that's really scandalous so uh. i guarantee you somebody made the decision to have him put a ring on just cuz it would freak people out
1: sure 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 <laughs> I sure i
0: guarantee you that's what happened so this this is a media frenzy i mean wwe isn't quite as in the zeitgeist at this point as it was in like 1998 99 but wrestling is still big, and not only that, but wrestling is known as this super macho, super raunchy, super inappropriate phenomena. So m- mainstream media all across the country turns around and says, huh, wrestling is telling a gay love story, and there's going to be a gay wedding. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Let's publish the heck out of it. So this <laughs> is on – Billy and Chuck go on the Today Show. They go on the Howard Stern show. They are writing about this WWE wedding in the New York Times. The, the the spokesman for GLAD came out and said that the story of Billy and Chuck, and I quote, reaches a lot of potential bullies and gay bashers out there. And what Billy and Chuck are saying is not only we're here, but they also say don't mess with us. In the I, I I feel bad for them. I really do. And I also have to kind of feel bad for Billy and Chuck, who knew what was going to happen but did not have the courage to sit down with any of these people involved and say, to quote Luke Skywalker, this is not going to go the way you think. OK, so it's September 12th. 2002 uh there's no really particular commentary about the fact that it's one year after 9-11 but it feels kind of appropriate um the show opens the cold open for the show is their invitation you know like a little a very fancy um what's the word calligraphy and you know glossy B and C on an envelope that they're like extending to you, the audience. Billy and Chuck look to seal their union with a special commitment ceremony. <laughs> By the way, we've talked about how nice like the upgrade to the WWE network is, I feel like, in the yeah. past. I don't know if you know like each episode of Raw and Smackdown has a little blurb on it. Yeah, it's nice. That's like, you know, it's like it's written on the back of um, you know, paperback novel or something right this is the this is the blurb that's on this particular episode of smackdown billy and chuck look to seal their union with a special commitment ceremony but when things go too far this a groundbreaking moment for smackdown gets more than a little raw perfect so perfect yeah it yep (laughs) give give,
1: give that intern a raise Wrote it's pretty that. good, isn't
0: it? It's it would be really fun to write all of these for like the thousands of episodes of Raw and SmackDown that they have. There's one typo in it, but we're going to let that slide. <laughs> it's, it's fine. But it's the perfect like movie trailer, like record skip sort of nonsense. I don't know how else to put it. That's amazing. And and we're off and we're running. And the first thing you notice immediately, like after the cold open where they extend to you the Billy and Chuck, you know, wedding invitation They have the intro for the rest of the show, and you realize, like, once again, this is one of those weird angles that oversex, oversex, (laughs) intersects, overlaps, with some really, really great wrestling, right? right? Like, this is, Brock Lesnar is here, and he's got the title, and he's in a blood feud with The Undertaker, and Paul Heyman is like stalking Undertaker's wife and it's getting very personal and Kurt Angle is out here and he's fighting Rey Mysterio every other week this is your classic classic like Smackdown 6 this this
1: is this is uh, Smackdown at its peak from like 2002 through like 2005 Mm -hmm. it was like awesome Smackdown
0: right it's Smackdown at its peak for better or worse yeah yeah
1: yeah, that's that's a good that's a good that's a good clarification
0: so in, in the first segment we see this in, um, they have a personal stylist named Rico, who is very flamboyant. We could have
1: a whole another very. episode on Rico.
0: Yeah, boy. So he's <laughs> he is, you know, he's officially their personal stylist. For purposes of this commitment ceremony, he is also sort of the bridezilla. He is the one putting it all on. And he's chewing somebody out over the phone because even though he knows Mark. He knows that a traditional wedding cake has a bride and a groom, but he has one with two grooms. Of no course. No brides. Can you handle that? Of course. Do you get an audience? This is different. It's very controversial. Ooh, spooky. So he hangs up the phone and he goes and he asks Stephanie McMahon to please attend the commitment ceremony. Of course. And he needs her to do this because he needs – he needs, Mark – he needs a witness. Right. Of course. For this commitment ceremony to be legal. Yeah, now, I, everyone before knows you that. ask yourself, before you ask yourself why a commitment ceremony filmed live in front of thousands of people <laughs> and broadcast to <laughs> millions of people needs one other witness for it to be legal. Stephanie tries to tell him that she can't do it. She says, "No, I Here's the thing. It's n- it's not that I don't support the commitment ceremony. Of course I do, but she says she's had really bad luck with weddings in the past <laughs> to the point where she feels like she's kind of a jinx and she doesn't want to be a problem to the commitment ceremony. <laughs> well, she's Which got you, a point there. It's a fan. I love it when wrestling does this cause it doesn't do it. I don't think it does it as much as it should, but it will occasionally break the fourth wall. And point out just how weird wrestling is and just <laughs> lean right into that skid. So the fact that yeah, like I don't know how many weddings Steph has been a part of or wrecked or she was almost forced to marry the Undertaker at one point, I think. She's had a very sordid history. So the fact happened. that she's invited and it's immediately like, wrestling wedding, bad idea, is <laughs> fantastic but he he starts to you know he starts to cry and beg her and say it won't be legal if he doesn't have a witness again don't think about that too hard <laughs> and she says okay okay well if it really means that much to you of course I'll show up so just keep that in mind as we get to the rest of this segment oh boy so i don't know if this is to their credit or not to their credit but this is not the main event of the show which is more, like the Lana Lashley wedding main event of the show. This, despite having a lot of real mainstream publicity, support from real life organizations with like a really big following, editorials in the New York Times, like the whole nine yards, it's not even the main event of the show. Nope. As the segment begins, you know, there's a minister in the ring and there's a little like, you know, it's not a gazebo, but whatever that big, you know, tall kind of rectangular shaped thing is that oh, they stand underneath. It's like a underneath. little arch it's that or thing. it's
1: the altar whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah whatever and then right away we have our first sign of trouble. If you knew nothing about wrestling and I I hope nobody actually did this, but if hypothetically you knew nothing about wrestling, saw that there was going to be this wedding between two men and thought, Oh, that'll be nice. And tuned in. The first thing you would have seen is that they came not to a traditional wedding processional, not to some piece of classical music or a violin solo no, no, they came to the ring to a group of chorus girls singing It's Raining Men. <laughs> just just in case you didn't know what you were in for. And Rico is clearly trying, he, he's, he's full bridezilla, right? He's running this whole thing. He gets to the ring and he's, he's upset because nothing is good enough. You know, the minister is too old and the dancers are too plain and the flowers aren't the right kind of flowers. These are pansies, he said, just in case, again, you don't get it it's really very subtle you know the, the kind of storytelling they're going for here he's like these are pansies these are pansies the the, the archway isn't mahogany like he specifically requested you know and it's a, it's all a little over the top whatever he'll stick okay but you're watching this mark and you realize okay wait he's right the minister is weirdly old <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he's clearly, yeah, yeah. he's trying to, they're, they're trying to do, like, a princess bride thing, I guess. It's clearly old man makeup. They didn't just go get a straight man to be in this lighting. No, the, the the fishing is clearly part of the joke. He's this caricature. He's got this really, really, really creaky voice. He's just doing his absolute best to be as annoying as humanly possible. Yeah, he's and like the Bill- stereotypical, like, Jewish... It's weird. It's very yeah. strange. It's yeah, this yeah, weird.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's hard to explain if you don't know. Creaky what we're is talking the best about.
0: way I can describe it. You know, he's we are here today to wreck. You know that sort of thing. Like just nails right, Harris, on the chalkboard. Yeah, do, do the whole speech. I don't have it all written down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have, no, no, just I have make some it up of it
0: later. Don't worry. Just make it up. So they, so Billy and Chuck make their way out to the ring, getting booed by the crowd the entire time. Again, they're not doing anything heelish. They just like each other. Doesn't matter. They're getting booed. And they wrote their own vows, which the crowd is also not happy with. And Chuck Chuck starts to speak. He goes first. He points out that when they became tag team partners, all he knew was that Billy was a great competitor and his name was Mr. Ass.
1: Yeah, but as I said now, before, that
0: was the gimmick. Yep, it, it was. It was. And now, you know, but now Billy has become... So much more to him. And even though he has captured the tag team titles on multiple occasions in the past, he's now captured something much more important. Chuck's heart. Yeah, of course. The crowd boos furiously. And, (laughs) you know, if we give them the benefit of the doubt, like maybe they're booing because they think, hey, the tag team titles are really important and you should show them more respect. Somehow I'm telling you, Harris, there's not
1: nothing like, like mm-hmm. an early 2000s WWE crowd. Mm-hmm. We've gotten into that mm-hmm. many, many times. Again, again, yep. during this exact same time, the Tori yep. Wilson, uh, Don Marie thing is going on during this exact mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had a uh, filmed and uh, blackmailed sexual
0: assault video
1: that mm-hmm. everyone cheered
0: for. So yeah, including it's like the announcers. For some reason, when it's two women, they don't have a problem with it. That's weird. I can't imagine why. Anyway, <laughs> we keep moving on with the ceremony. And Billy says, Billy, we break the fourth wall for the second time in this episode. And Billy says, man, that was the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. That was terrible. <laughs> hey, but props, hey, man, that's props what I to Billy gun, man. Right. Well, then he immediately, you know, he says, and that's what I love so much about you, you know, and. He asks him to be his tag team partner, and he already has a ring. So now he slips a ring onto Chuck. Of course. And Rico's very excited, and the crowd's very much not. And then you Rico, hang on, presents... I have a question. Yeah. I have a
1: question here, yeah. Harris, real quick. Of and I don't know if you know
0: the answer. Why is Rico so excited? Oh well, well, because he's because he's their manager, Mark, and he's their best friend, and he supports them. And how long he's has he been their manager? He's been their manager for a while now. Okay, like a, okay. A, a decent amount of time. Okay, I missed and that part. Fair enough. He has been, right, He he's not new to the story. I should have mentioned that. Like, he was introduced a, a, a fair while back. It wasn't like, gotcha. hey, you need a wedding planner. Here's this guy. Like, he's an established <laughs> character. He's their oh, manager. Okay, he's,
1: I mean, I, I know him as a character. I didn't realize he was their yeah. manager for that long before. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. He makes was sense. introduced,
0: yeah. He was introduced to the show as their stylist or something to that effect so he's been a part of this gimmick for a while and naturally you know feels like he's really he's really come full circle right of course but put a pin in that we'll come back to it he presents a video of billy and chuck's union with the title our love story and it's you know it's your cheesy piano music and slow motion highlights of just all of the Gay things that they've been doing. I don't know how else to put it. The, the viewers do not care for it. But, you know, just in case you've been not watching this entire time and for some reason tuned in for this ceremony, which I'm sorry if you did. You know, it's Billy and Chuck stretching in really provocative ways backstage. It's At one point, Billy is knocked unconscious and falls into the ring ropes and Chuck is standing there and his hand his head lands on Chuck's crotch and they just look at each other for a minute. And of course at one point they, you know, they embrace after Chuck proposes to Billy and, you know, they do this pose in the ring when they get to the ring where it's sort of like, it's sort of like that painting, the creation of man, but like if <laughs> Adam was underneath <laughs> God while it was happening, like that's the best way I can describe this pose. That's a clearly great just description. triggered. To... <laughs>
1: That's my it's favorite thing so far team.
0: that you've said. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that comparison. And gets a gets a decidedly negative reaction from the crowd. Again, they're not doing anything really particularly heelish. They're just two guys who are gay, and that's the worst thing you can imagine in 2002. Now, so,
1: is this video package better or worse than the Mick Foley and
0: um, the Rock one? Ooh, ooh. It's hard to say. I mean, this is at least, like, it's quick, you know what I mean? And it's not trying to tell any particular kind of story. Ugh. Pick your poison. I mean. Hey, one of them, one of them, well, let me say, both of
1: them are some of the most memorable moments in WWE. One of them was the highest rated Raw segment of all time. So, Right. You.
0: I mean, that's the Which bad. still I blows just...
1: my mind
0: that that's the yeah, case. Yeah, that's pretty sad, isn't it? It's very sad. That's oh boy! So, so anyway, okay. Now we get to the part where I'm going to do my uh, impression again because the oh, officiant says the most the most magic words in any wrestling wedding. You know, he says, "And now, if there is anyone here who has any reason why these two should not be married, speak now." And then he just lets it sit while the crowd boos furiously, hopefully because, you know, they've seen a lot of wrestling and they know one day one of these men will turn heel and that would put a real damper on that relationship. Hopefully that's why they don't want them to be married. I can't think of any other reason they might not. And then, then Liv Morgan shows up. <laughs> I wish. But they are interrupted, Mark. You you know your cue very well. They're interrupted not by David Arquette, unfortunately. That's disappointing. Not by Brock Lesnar or The Undertaker or Kurt Angle or Rey Mysterio or any other actual active characters on the SmackDown roster. Or, you know, Billy and Chuck's former husbands or former wives like we saw on the Lana or Bobby Lashley wedding. No, no. They're interrupted by The Godfather. And a whole train of women. What's it called, Harris? It's called the ho train. And if you didn't know that, (laughs) he says it about a dozen times in this segment. He makes his way down to the ring. The crowd is losing their mind. The godfather says, I'm not going to quote the whole promo, but he basically comes out and says, look, I can't let this happen because I remember when you guys used to use my, and I'm, I'm quoting here cookies he calls the women in his employment cookies and says hey you two used to be the biggest skirt chasers around and you love to have sex with women and now you're pretending that you're gay that's not cool what happened man and the crowd pops huge for it because you know the idea of men having sex with women was just floated and that's the greatest thing in the world in 2002 so they pop huge for it Enrico's having none of it. He 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 demands that the godfather leave, that they don't want to partake from his wares right now and you know, get (laughs) out of here. Be gone with you, right? (laughs) Wait, wait, is that is that the vernacular that he used? It's something it's very please tell me it is, because that's hilarious. It's not for it he does use the phrase partake of your wares. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's oh, that's great. Oh, that's perfect. And so he ins- you know, he's just, he's very put off. He's very offended. He insists that the Godfather leave, and then he does. Godfather's like, "Wow, well, that's all right, a- I tried, man. Whatever." That's a first in <laughs> wrestling. I've never heard of anyone being know, told to leave and it work. It, it's very funny. They just use their words, and he's like, "All right, well, I tried." And then he turns around, and he and the hoe train just march off. All right, thanks and for then coming. Then we keep going. <laughs> So then the old man picks it back up, you know, and he says, Billy, do you pledge? And he drags it out, of course. Do you pledge to commit yourself for all time? You know, on and on and on. And the crowd is clearly audibly chanting, just say no, just say no, just say no. But Billy says yes. And the same question is posed to Chuck, who looks nervous. But Rico says, hey, Chuck, we've come this far. You're not backing down now, right? And Chuck says, you're right. You're right. Yes, I do. And he says yes. And then after they've both said yes, the officiant begins to pronounce them. I guess he would say man and man. I don't really know because (laughs) I don't get to that point because Chuck interrupts him despite having had like four chances at this point. He chooses now to say, wait a minute. All right, Rico, Rico, what's going on here? And then Billy says, yeah, man, it wasn't supposed to go this far. It was just supposed to be a publicity stunt. I mean, we're not gay. Massive pop. Massive (laughs) pop from the crowd. And he tries to go like, you know, we got nothing against gay people. And I like to think that that's what the crowd is cheering. Like, hey, our favorite wrestlers don't have a problem with gay people. I feel like that's not what they're cheering. I feel like it's not that. And uh, Rico, pedal to the metal, hits the most rapid fire heel turn I've ever seen in my life. I mean, like. He'll turn in the sense that like he was getting booed before, but he goes from, no, I'm just a nice guy who wants to see my friends have a wedding and a nice wedding to the most evil, hateful person on the planet. And he just goes off and he starts talking about how all of his hard work and all the pageantry and all the publicity and it's all been for nothing. And then. While the crowd is booing him and Billy and Chuck are kind of standing there looking confused, the officiant interrupts again. And you would think like his part in this story is kind of over. Right. Because we have what has been pitched not just to wrestling fans, but like to the entire world as this inspiring story of two gay men in an industry that does not have a history of being super open minded coming out and getting married in front of the entire world. They just backtracked on that. They just admitted, both in real life and character, that they were just lying through their teeth the entire time for publicity. Their manager is now leaning into the, you know, the like evil gay stereotype that they've been trying to have him play this entire time. And then the officiant comes back in. Hold on, hold on, Harris. Before
1: we yep. get to that, I just gotta m yep. I I just gotta make this point here. Sorry. Yep. This was for a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. What type of publicity and what was the goal of said publicity stunt? That's a great question! (laughs) Like, if it was to get a tag team title match or something, like, throw something in there.
0: Right. And, like, they had held the tag team titles at some point. I mean, I don't... Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In kayfabe it could almost make sense except it's we- like Billy and Chuck didn't know what the end game was. Right. Because like, there I wasn't they, one. Like they thought at some point they would get out here and it would get to this point and then and, Rico would and, get and cold then feet and call it off. Like it's weird that in kayfabe they had this whole thing worked out, but they were just like, Hey, but so what happens when we're actually about to get married? And Rico was like, Hey, don't worry about it. Right. Or Something. Which maybe they're dumb enough to fall for that, but I would think like he would just tell them the plan. Maybe you know what?
1: Maybe it's a Last Jedi scenario. We've already mentioned this once before because of it's the worst thing ever to come out on film, and um, we've already mentioned something with it before. So maybe it's like that, where the commander just doesn't tell anyone else what's going on, and we never understand why. Or anything in that, and it makes no sense and serves mm-hmm. no purpose, but at mm-hmm. the end it's like, this was the thing. Now, the only thing I'll give that credit for, at least there was an attempt to explain said not explaining of the plan, even though it, it still didn't mm-hmm. make really any sense, the explanation didn't
0: make <laughs> any sense. At least they tried. Here they didn't even try. Right, so like, okay, there's two elements to this, right? Like I said, both in and out of kayfabe. They are lying about what's happening for publicity. I'm going to touch on the out of kayfabe stuff in just a second, but we have to finish because <laughs> sure, sure. we're not done with the angle yet. I, I know, I know. It or not? I just had. To, this I, is had not to the end of that, the angle. I know. I know. <laughs> you know where we're going. We got to. We got to so, get to it. So the officiant says, and I'm not. I don't have it written verbatim because I can't do the voice that long, and I don't know exactly what he says. <laughs> but he essentially says that you know, in all his years of. Being an he's never seen anything like this. But he knows that the commitment that Billy and Chuck have made to one another is real, and that whether it lasts for—and I'm gonna—I'm gonna do the voice thing here. There's a little bit of the theater of the mind, and what he sounds like in my bad impression—that's the shift that happens in real life. If you're watching this, he says this commitment is special. Whether it lasts 50 years or 18 months. Or three minutes. Wait a minute. Did I just say three minutes? And then he rips off his face like a (laughs) Scooby-Doo villain to reveal that the entire time It has been Eric Bischoff, the general manager of Raw. And this is an invasion. And three-minute warning comes charging out in the ring. And they're beating everybody up. And he's attacking Stephanie. And then the SmackDown locker room comes out and runs them off. What is happening here? What's going on? Raw's here on SmackDown. We got to go to a commercial. We'll be right back. Fade to black. So. Number one, from what <laughs> I've read in this entire car crash of a segment, this is a genuinely great surprise sure. that nobody watching live in 2002 saw coming.
1: No, sure, Pr- props for that. Yeah,
0: it is the classic. Like the disguise is so over the top that you would never, in a million years, guess who it is. Right. You just you just wouldn't, and it wor- you Like you think they're going stupid over the top because they're trying very poorly to have like some princess bride humor in the wedding. And they kind of are, but it allows them to sneak Eric Bischoff out and the makeup, like doesn't look good. You can tell it's makeup, but you can't tell it's Eric Bischoff under all the makeup. That, yeah. Number two, Stephanie McMahon's reaction, which is a combination of one, oh no. My arch rival, the GM of the other show is here now. And I did not see that coming. But also a little bit of like, oh God, it's happening again at a wedding that I'm attending in a WWE ring. (laughs) (laughs) The curse of Stephanie McMahon is real, folks. It lives on. It lives on. Then the entire segment just ends with Rico brawling with Billy and Chuck, three minute warning beating them both up, and then like Kurt Angle and the rest of the SmackDown locker room charging out to drive them away. And then it's this weird brand supremacy thing and when we come back from a commercial all the announcers can talk about is the invasion and the entire wedding angle is completely done and at no point in the rest of the show are the announcers like hey so wait did they actually get married or not never mentioned (laughs) never one time they spent months of promotion and like public goodwill and New York Times editorials to get to this point and then immediately just, all right, cut, pivot, and we're gone. Hey, folks, tuning in. Check out this Matt Hardy versus Undertaker match. Like, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. What was that? Presumably some people tuned into this show who have never watched wrestling before, and I guarantee you they weren't watching anymore to see if Matt Hardy 1.0 was going to beat The Undertaker <laughs>
1: oh, in the main event. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Seriously? No offense. Matt, Matt Hardy 1.0? Was
0: it's that not Matt was Hardy, that earlier?
1: It's Matt Hardy version 1, you dope. Oh, my word. That's where the hand
0: signal comes from. It's a V and a 1. that's where it comes from, Mark. I know that's where it comes from. I don't care. What? It's the worst version of Matt Hardy. No, it's... Like, like oh, my miles. gosh. Oh, my mind. gosh.
1: No, it's not. It's a fantastic character okay. of Matt Hardy. Okay. He had Shannon Moore as his mf'er. Okay. His matitude follower. He, he did the... <laughs> he did the entrance with the little computer screen, like the old AOL-looking website Look, screen. Look, the Matt... With WWEmatitude cool. and it had the little Matt facts on it. Oh, the it was hilarious.
0: Cool. Okay,
1: well, he was like six. He's like, way, six Mark... he's like six. He's like six two, two hundred and forty pounds, and he was the cruiserweight champion.
0: It was great. Mm-hmm. Or no, okay. like 220, well, I'm sorry. two hundred twenty.
1: Excuse me, two hundred twenty-five
0: pounds. He lowered to that to because that's the limit the weight limit. I'm sorry for slandering your boy Matt Hardy. The point is, this is not why anyone was tuning into the show. <laughs> and it's never addressed again. Okay, I'm going to defer. There's a great write up of this angle on cracked.com. It's like a listicle of like six real life issues the WWE tried to tackle that went horribly wrong. There's one or two other potential episodes in that list for sure. So um, uh, this is a quote just to kind of bring everything home. So to be clear, the fake gay wedding endorsed and advised upon by GLAD ended up being mostly conversion therapy before it became a joke, a trick, and a fist fight. Glad was pissed <laughs> and rightfully so. That's – okay. First of all <laughs> – Yeah, they released the statement after the fact and said, "Okay, okay. first of all, I feel bad for these people. I genuinely do because they clearly like they didn't have anybody on their staff who could sit them down and just say, don't don't deal with these people. (laughs) (laughs) Don't step into this world because they don't care about you and they will not respect you. Don't talk to Vince McMahon about anything ever, 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 ever. They came out the next day. And they said, that like, not only did WWE lie to them for two months, because from the get-go, Vince McMahon said, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll have a wedding ceremony where they'll come out as gay, and it won't be innuendo or jokes anymore. They will say that they're gay, and then they'll get married. Uh, Not only did they not get married, they literally on live television said, yeah, no, we're definitely not gay. We just (laughs) did this for publicity. Are you kidding? So, like, oh, for two. Not only that, the next day, like, the next day, the, the glad spokesman who was, I guess, responsible for like the, the liaison with WWE said, Hey, Vince, how did it go? And Vince said, Great, they got <laughs> married, it was awesome. He just lied straight through his face after it happened and taped. And he was just like, Nope, it was great, went really well, everyone loved it, and then just cruised right on with the rest of his life it's oh man that third one really 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 pushes it over the top for me into almost comedy territory but like all jokes aside this is kind of this is the worst thing that i've ever seen in wrestling because we cover like stupid and offensive stuff all the time right oh yeah that's the name of the game this is like when when kane is portrayed by Triple H as having sex with the corpse of Katie Vick. That's stupid and offensive to, like, the viewer, right? Because it's so (laughs) cheap and tasteless. Kane is a fictional demon monster. He is the only person, or, or Triple H is this narcissistic douchebag. Those are the only two people who look the worst for wear in real life as a result of that story, right? Right. There are like millions of gay men and women in America who might have seen this and thought, oh, that's cool, because wrestling can be super stupid and super inappropriate. And it's nice that they're taking the time to say, hey, maybe gay men and women aren't jokes. Maybe they don't have to be. Maybe they can just be two gay people and it's not a cheap pop for hot lesbian action, which I'm pretty sure is a kind of match that exists in wrestling at this point or some weird like effeminate punchline. They can just be people and you know that there were people out there who tuned into this and just had the rug ripped out from under them. And it is very funny to imagine Vince McMahon ever not doing this and somebody should have told them better, but it's just so embarrassing to have all of this play out. And it's not even, here's the thing. It's not even two gay guys who are heels and like really obnoxious cheating characters that would have at least made more sense if they just let them be heels or if they did like a muhammad hassan thing where they were like hey we hate you and your favorite wrestlers because you guys are homophobic and you don't care about us so we're gonna cheat and steal and be really bad people and be heel characters like none of that happens they're just gay and everyone hates them for it and that's like the only possible explanation for any of this within the world of (laughs) wwe And I said before, like out of kayfabe for a second, this whole thing. Oh, no, we're not gay. We just did this for a publicity stunt. That's true. Why is that the angle you go with? (laughs) Why? Like all of that. Here's the thing. All of that can still be true. All you have to do is like have them turn heel officially after they get married. Like they get a tag team title shot as married couple and they cheat to win that. And you can have all of the publicity of having a gay wedding on your show and have people follow up on it the next day and be like, hey, that happened and that was pretty interesting. And the crowd can still keep hating them because they're being heels. You get both. You don't have to pull the rug out from under everyone. Come out and admit that you lied to these poor people at GLAAD three different times as we just discussed, (laughs) like after the fact, just do it. If you're gonna be super cynical and do all of this, Just follow through. You don't have to go all the way up to this point. Again, why would the storyline be, we're going to go all the way up to this point, (laughs) and then we, the writers, are going to chicken out and have the performers admit that they're not gay? Why did that happen? It doesn't even make sense in kayfabe. It doesn't make sense in or out of kayfabe, like the best case scenario here. Like, hey, Vince, we feel like you're being really insensitive to a marginalized group of people. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And Vince in his head goes, I could listen to them. I could drop the angle. I could try to have my cake and eat it, too, by having them get married, but also be villainous wrestling heels. Or I could just lie to them, say I'm going to show a gay couple getting married. And then back out at the last minute, have them both come out as straight and just make the whole thing into a farce and piss off millions of people all over the country. And that's what he chose to do. It just... It makes no sense on any level. It's stupid. It's insensitive. It's not particularly entertaining,
1: which, like, wouldn't know, make man. it okay.
0: It's, it's pretty entertaining. Dude, I... Like, the Lana Lashley wedding was a better example of this because they just jumped the shark and then jumped off of the shark. It was like a whole nother level of shark. It was like Batman hanging from the helicopter... Harris, ...beating up a shark. No, this is the ultimate level of shark.
1: You had Eric I Bischoff just, dressed as an... Old officiant in makeup with a voice who then rips the face off and reveals himself doing a
0: raw angle. That's the definition of jumping the shark. Okay, but here's the thing. No, you're right. And that's great. Doesn't have anything to do with the wedding. Doesn't need to be there at all. No,
1: it doesn't.
0: That's That's why it's, you know, no, that's the definition of jumping the shark. I I don't know, man. I think the Lana Lashley wedding does it a lot better. But at any rate, so I'm going to. I know this has been kind of a long episode, and I've been rambling about this for a minute. It's- Hang
1: on. There is something I, I do want to add here
0: Okay. about, about okay. all this
1: and, and how you've been talking about the whole uh, backstage thing with Vince uh-huh. McMahon and everything. Part of me finds it hilarious that Vince McMahon and WWE literally will bow to no one and are just like, nope, we're doing this. It's kind of, especially in this day and age when everyone is so terrified of offending everyone and so PC and so, you know, corporate, scared straight by the masses, you know, all that stuff. Even if it's not always the best thing, it's kind of funny when a company just doesn't care because we just don't, we see the opposite so much. And WWE is kind of the only one left. And they're not even like that anymore because they've gone well, a big time with a lot of that stuff. But, you know, for a few years here, we had something like this. We had, you know, we've had Donald Trump on there a whole bunch of times. And I wouldn't be so. Sur- Again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. There's by far a, a higher than zero chance that Donald Trump will again be on WWE TV after he's done being
0: president. Like I think there's it's going well, to two happen. Things. One there's a non zero chance that he appears on WWE TV while he's president. <laughs> that's that's number point two. Too. See, here's the thing. No see here's the thing. I don't think I don't think that they're as much like that as you claim. I just think the reason they don't do it now is because now it's too unpopular. You know what I mean? Like they did it in two thousand and two because they knew they could get away with it. They Man, wouldn't do it true. today because they know they would lose money. That's the only difference. It's but, always but but uh, they still do the Saudi Arabia stuff, right? Because it makes them a truckload of money. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm I just, just saying. Like it. I know. It's like it's, I started I off. Just,
1: I find it. I find it refreshing. In kind of the worst way in certain,
0: certain no, things. I understand. I mean, I just, I started off this show by saying, you know, I like to think, I always try to explain this to some, as though, you know, there's somebody listening who has never seen this angle before or never watched wrestling before. And there are a lot of moments in wrestling that I think, man, if you don't know why we do this, tune into this. And this is a great example of why. I I don't want anyone to ever, I, I feel really <laughs> bad watching this. Like, I don't want... It makes me really sad that they went to all the effort to push this storyline and they handled it in like the dumbest, most isolating, most offensive way that they possibly could. I think there's – if you're going to do this for a bu- – even if you're just going to do this for a publicity stunt, there's ways you can pull it off that don't completely break the characters in kayfabe or completely alienate like – any members of the population who tuned in and weren't grossed out by the fact that two men were getting married. It's just, it's just gross. Like it's a rough angle. I mean, the Eric Bischoff reveal is gold is 10 out of 10. Like that moment in the look on Stephanie McMahon's face absolutely insane <laughs> i wish they hadn't handled anything else the way that they handled it whatsoever and here's the thing and we we touched on this and i'll bring it full circle and just get into my epilogue with this like they didn't you're it was for nothing even in kayfabe right there right. was no end game to sense. This publicity stunt there was no point where like again the next week they're like and now you know you should give us a tag team title shot because if you don't that's really homophobic like if they did that that would make sense in storyline You know, it's kind of obnoxious, but if you want them to be the heels, you can go that direction. But no, they just, they remain a tag team, except the entire conceit of their tag team is gone now because they both said, (laughs) no, we're just two straight guys who were lying to you for publicity. And then in a random throwaway match, Bill Gunn goes down with a shoulder injury. Right. And he's out for several months and they just kind of quietly break up and they they go back to doing what they were doing before, which is just two, you know, mid-card wrestlers. So that's the end of the story of Billy and Chuck. But it's not the story of WWE and their relationship with the gay community. So about ten years later, oh no, we're they not. They actually no. So about ten years <laughs> later, they mend this bridge. Right, they form a new agreement partnership with GLAAD. It's a non homophobia pact so basically you know in our storytelling we're not going to make gay people the butt of jokes anymore we're not going to portray them as like really stereotypical or demonize them in any way like that sort of stuff and they released this statement that said we take these issues very seriously and we at wwe have already spoken with our talent we are taking steps to work with glad to ensure that our fans know that wwe is against bullying or discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. And then one week later, Michael Cole called Josh Matthews a faggot on Twitter. So <laughs> some things about this stupid industry never change. Sure. <sighs> sure. I just I that little that little wet fart of an ending I just thought was a little <laughs> a little too perfect. <laughs> Welcome to WWE,
1: everyone. Woo yeah. All yeah. right. Well, that was an extended episode that I didn't expect, but it, was it a worked lot, out, you know.
0: It's, it's
1: it worked look, out for the best or the I, worst, or however you want to put it. I
0: if for no other reason than to make like do we know for a fact that they'll never do anything like this again because they got a huge amount of blowback. I'm struggling to think of any other silver linings. And again, I hate this angle. I kind of I, I hate you know, the the crowd for letting it happen. I hate the company for letting it happen. But you know, it's our job But but, we, but historians... we like we like Eric Bischoff for saving it.
1: Potentially saving it. <laughs> for trying his best to okay. save it. Your saving, mileage saving Mark, is you know. with saving is with quotation marks, of course.
0: Okay. Your your mileage may vary, but either way, like I, I <laughs> it's our job as the bold wrestling historians that we are to talk about this kind of stupid it is. nonsense. Even this if again, is what the it, whole it, show's about it's what it's about. I don't think this is one of those weeks where, you know, it's actually a really great time and you can show it to people and it's silly and fun, but it certainly happens. Harris, if
1: we're being honest, we
0: have very, very,
1: very, very few of those episodes. No, I know that kind of you know, defeats like, the purpose of the show every now and then one sneaks up, you know, every now and then you get a positive one. Like right. you know, Zack Ryder or something like that. Right. Most right. of them are, as you said, Harris. Your whole tagline for this show, other than the actual tagline of you know the the wild, whacking, crazy side of wrestling, your tagline is the stuff you don't want to show your non-wrestling friends.
0: Hmm.
1: That's the best summation of of the show, and I think we yeah. I think we had a grand
0: slam with that topic. Wait. That's the thing. If that's the tagline, this is this is the thing I want you to watch the least. If for some reason, like you're an intern at my office and you listen to this whole thing, don't look it up. Watch something else. Listen to our David Arquette episode. Watch anything else in wrestling. Don't watch this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go watch Roddy Roddy <laughs> Piper being a Christmas carol.
0: <laughs> watch. The title of this episode needs to be Billy and Chuck do not watch this. Like you've heard of don't try this at home on the WWE network. This just says, do not watch this at home. It's like the South park disclaimer that says due to its content should not be viewed by anyone. It's like that.
1: All right. We'll have to work with that. We'll have to work on that. That that's, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) All right. Well, that does it for this episode. Follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. Send all your hate tweets that way. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkyMarkBrand, Mark
0: brand and I'm at Harris Wilson.
1: So do that as well. Go back and listen. As Harris said, there's many better episodes than this. So check out, And there's some that are, you know, just as bad. So check, check those out. Um, leave us a rating review on iTunes. That's always fun and make sure and tune in next week. We'll have another crazy topic. And also we're going to talk about our Mount Rushmore of uh, wrestling personalities for this show. Now, again, those qualifications basically are our favorite crazy, insane, and but at the same time most fun and enjoyable wild people of wrestling. And it's capped by David Arquette. So there's no well, – where it's really just three. Uh, tune in for <laughs> our other three because obviously right. David Arquette is head and shoulders above everybody else as far as that Mount Rushmore of the show. But uh, join us for the other three, the three lower ones, next week. Doesn't
0: sound as exciting that way, but you know that's that's. Well, just no, the way it you is. know it's it's one of those things where like you know if you're gonna have a big reveal like for the WWE Hall of Fame, they will release like one or two names at a time. Ooh, to build that's a, a good punch. point. So, or know, should we do that? We should we just do? Should we just do one a week? <laughs> we well, see. It's just gonna turn into us arguing over who we think we should be on it because there's one or two clear choices, and then. We're gonna be divided. Point. I feel like so. Okay, it wait, might just wait, be wait.
1: Wait. Here's another thing. Then do we? Are mm-hmm. we gonna decide this ahead of time, like for the whole show, or are each of us picking our Mountain Rushmore?
0: Oh, I kind of thought we were just gonna argue over who the other three should be on the air. But oh, okay, we that'd can do be more fun. Yeah, I know.
1: I'm with you. Yeah. That 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 will okay. be more fun. So tune in what next will week. What'll probably end that. up
0: happening is we'll have two different ones, but we'll just have to arrive at that conclusion on the road. <laughs>
1: sure sure that sounds fun all right (laughs) so that does it for this show thanks so much for listening and um well hopefully you'll (laughs) come back and join us again next
0: week